Welcome everyone to episode 49 of Stock Talk with Josh and Nico Criticos. Nico, how you doing? I'm doing good. I know, uh, it's just kind of weird. We, we usually don't do it in Zoom. We actually do it yeah. in the studio, but you know, I kind of like, you know, so sometimes people, I don't want to like be close to Nico for some reason. Kind of got like a bad <laughs> a, a odor or something like that. Like, like you know, on um, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, like a cheese touch, yeah. it kind of has that yeah. sometimes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but uh, today, Nico, we actually have a guest on this show, and her name is Jessica Inskip. So everyone around the world who's listening, give a round of applause to Jessica. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Busy day as always, but happy to be here. Good, good, good. good. So uh, before we get, actually get started, we want a little bit know a little bit more background information about you. So I did see you You are like on MSNBC. Uh, not MS, but CNBC, CNBC and Fox Business. Yep. Oh, and okay. TV Network and a couple others. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, how actually, what got you started with doing things with those companies? Yeah, it, it's honestly a long story. And you asked a loaded question and you didn't even know it. So. <laughs> take your time. We got, take your time. Sure. So, so I've been in the industry for about 15 years and I actually used to be behind the scenes. I started at a company in 2009 called Scott trade, which doesn't exist anymore. And mm. I was an intern there. Um, but I was mm. actually the first female on the active trader desk at Fidelity wow. investments, climbed mm. my way up in Merrill where I actually spent most of my career and my job there was called the director of advanced trading strategy. So mm -hmm. I would take complex products and make sure that they were easy to understand, but mm -hmm. I would also ensure that everything from the front end functions, back end functions, data that you saw, as well as the training that reps received, all were compliance friendly and just a really good client experience from the advanced side. And advanced means technical analysis, margin, options, things like that. I'm curious, what did you go to school for? Uh, business and organizational management. So I didn't even want to be in the stock market, Nico. I just kind of happened. I thought I was being clever when I got that internship. Uh, it, it gave me a college credit and I had nice a scholarship thing. and I got paid at the same time. So, That's and I actually, right yeah, so that, that I just ended up really, really liking it. Um, but long story short, that on that CNBC aspect, I've always had this love for financial education. And if you've seen any of my social media, which is which is how we've met, I mm -hmm. did give up my financial licenses to pursue mm. financial education. And a lot of that's had to do with the amplification of just it's a trend, financial literacy across social yeah. media. Once COVID happened and then Robinhood really amplified that with their targeted marketing towards the younger generation, Gen Z and yes. millennials. Um, and so I, saw I gave up said, my licenses. Yeah. I saw you said, you said something like there was, there's too many creators out there who aren't really qualified to be giving advice, but they're still creating content based around this stuff. Like myself. They are. And it, 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 but see, there's nothing wrong like with myself. that, but then the problem <laughs> that there's this I think that's great that people are doing that, but what is it's just so unfortunate that the finance industry is more regulated than healthcare. You can go on TikTok and you can see oh. doctors who are fully licensed and they're going to talk to you. And I learn a lot from that. I really do enjoy mm -hmm. it. But the problem is, is, is you don't have that healthy mix. You only have mm. one and that amplifies misinformation and brokerage firms can't compete. And you're not putting out that type of content or I wouldn't be here where mm. it, it's watch me turn $500 into $10,000. That's unrealistic yeah. right. and right. Right. and 
and difficult. Yeah. Uh, um, so does that, so that means that like with your financial licenses, if you still had those, you weren't, you're not allowed to be making this type of content or how does that work? That's very true. So um, the way that you get your financial licenses, you, if you have to have a sponsor and that sponsor is a brokerage firm. So mm -hmm. I no longer work for a brokerage firm, which means I no longer have a sponsor to hang my licenses. I have a two year lapse period before I'd have to retake all those exams again, which I do not want I to see. do. Um, but what happens, it's just old rules. You can, you can look them up. They're Federal Rule 2220 and 2210 and 33110, I think, where if it just says that if you post any content online, you're a brokerage firm, you have to monitor what your registered associates post. And mm -hmm. if you think about how many registered associates are across the industry, they just strictly prohibit it because it's costly and timely, takes yeah. way oh, yeah. too much time yeah. to review it. So, so, so just are those not there. Are those exams you're referring to, is that like stuff like the Series 65 and the Series 63 and all that stuff? Are those different? That's right. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Nico, um, you have you have experience with that. You remember the last couple of jobs, um, you kind of had like some issues of what you do um, with yes, the podcast, things right. like that. Yeah. And that's why right now I've been studying, I've been taking practice text, uh, pra practice tests for the SIE exam and then it says after mm -hmm. I finish that then you have to start then you go into like the series 65 or series 7 whatever so that's what I'm working mm -hmm. on right now nice yeah ho hopefully it'll change um that's what I've been trying to do I met some there was a keynote speaker at one of the conferences I was at that worked really high up in the White House that I brought to this attention mm -hmm. so and I'm trying not to name names so hopefully that that invokes some change because I do think that if you're a creator, you've built a following, you should mm -hmm. be able to get your financial licenses and continue to build that following. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't yeah. stop you. That just amplifies the issue. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, Josh, what do you say we get started with our checklist here? Well, real quick, I do have another question, another personal question for Jessica. Um, There's another long-winded question. So I'm going to like break this up into two parts. So the first part is, what do you like most about working in the stock market and overall your job? Mm. Um, I do love financial literacy. I, I do. My favorite part right now is I get to work with Jim Cramer and I, oh, yeah, I, I saw really that. like I saw that guy. That. He, that he cool. is, he's so kind. Um, and he mm. uses, I, I got on the, somehow the universe was kind to me or that I did put <laughs> sometimes I have imposter syndrome. That is a thing. Um, I've worked a long time at this. But I'm on the weekly or excuse me, the monthly rotation for the off the chart segment for Jim. And so he's I actually saw. the only person that I get emails back and forth from. And it's mm -hmm. he's definitely one person on TV, but he also mm -hmm. gave up his financial licenses to pursue oh, financial education, oh. which I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. And so he's he really cares about the individual investor. He makes so much money. He doesn't need to do what he's doing right now. And he really cares about investing education. And it just doesn't yeah. come across that way. Unfortunately. Yeah, I see. That's All right, so for my second part now, it's just going to be like the flip side of verse. What do you don't like kind of like, man, I kind of like hate going to work and do like, is so something you dislike about your job? Uh, that's a difficult one. I, I've spent so long in my career. I've now aligned my career with my values. So mm -hmm. if you asked me that a year and a half ago, I could list you off a ton of things. But right now... I have autonomy and flexibility because I was in a place where I could give up my financial licenses. And I work for, I still work with all the brokerage firms right now. I work for this company called Options Play, 
Um, mm. And I consult with them and still provide their educational data and mm. educational content as well. I suppose the one thing I don't like is uh, sometimes I can do too much because I've accumulated some skills. And I, it's even though I'm, I like to use the analogy, I'm really good at cleaning. Like I can clean mm. really, really well, but I don't clean houses for a living. And just mm -hmm. because you're good at it doesn't mean you should do it because you may not like it. So yeah, right. things like that. That makes right. sense. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I think now we're just about ready to head on to our topics. Unfortunately, the first topic, we're going to be a little nerded out about this. You know how boys like to talk about video games and everything. <laughs> but Nico. I mean, I love to play Fortnite. So <laughs> there you go, there you here go. we go. <laughs> But um, Nico, we got some news too. Uh, we talked about this last week, but 37 countries, including the EU and China, have approved the Microsoft Activision deal. With the uh, yeah. with one country being the UK is the only one to have veto it. So Nico, yeah, how I, do you think how how you think this is gonna all play out? Is like the UK gonna say, okay, that's fine, just just go go ahead with it in the next six months or no? I don't know. I mean, the UK hasn't changed their mind yet, but I did see an interview with the the CEO of Microsoft, and I think. He was almost hinting at that they were just going to do business with the other countries in Europe and just kind of ignore the UK. So that, I mean, I think that's a realistic option right now. Jessica, how about you? Um, so even though I play some video games, I don't pay too much attention to it unless for the aspects of the stock market. I just think it's mm -hmm. interesting how... The UK is so different from the EU, especially after Brexit. And traditionally, mm -hmm. oh, the EU right. would be even stricter than the UK. So mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what type of precedence they're trying to set and how mm -hmm. big of a market Microsoft even has in the UK for it to make a dent in their revenue. I mean, do you think that um, it's kind of like Activision is almost too big? Because I think they're buying the company for $75 billion. Do you think Activision is just too big of a company? and they should stay separate or i don't know is it is it anti competitive or how do you look at it i mean that's what the uk is saying mm. uh, i i don't think they would be too big because there is a lot of still gaming software out there and they're not going to be the only player in the space so there's still competition mm -hmm. but everyone lays out their own rules for a reason yeah and i think microsoft was saying that like games like call of duty I think they are still going to, they weren't going to do it where only, um, Josh, what did we say last time about this? I think we said. Oh, it'd probably be like a, like a new Call of Duty game would probably be licensed to like a different thing, like Sony or something like that. Yeah. They, I don't, they weren't going to limit it to an Xbox only game. Yeah. They were, they were still going to allow Sony and PlayStation to use it. Yeah. So, that probably, they probably lose like way too much money. If they did that, but yeah, but okay. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, like Jessica was saying, um, they probably do want kind of want to stop like an entire like huge conglomeration from forming. But no, it's a lot mm -hmm. of countries that already ex accepted it. And but because the, the same the same thing just happened with Adobe. Adobe was trying to buy Figma for twenty billion, and I think that deal didn't go through either. Because I think yeah, I think that got stopped too. Yeah, I think they're just trying to be more strict with preventing monopolies and stuff. So. See, so th the first piece of news I saw was that Disney's trying to split ESPN as a separate streaming service. And then I'm just kind of wondering, like, is are these streaming services ever going to get to a profitability? Because that seems to be 
for the last three years, all the streaming services, or at least the new streaming services, are kind of having troubles with that. So do you think that, you know, Disney Plus is ever going to become profitable? It's possible. So if that question was directed at me, um, I don't think Disney Plus, it, I would look at Disney overall and where their revenue comes from because they're not, they haven't spun off just the streaming piece whatsoever. Yeah. But I think they're, Disney's biggest issue is they're required to buy Hulu. So they're going to have a big oh, hit to their yeah. operating expense. That's going to, going to be more of a larger issue. However, Disney still had subscriptions go up year over year. They did do a small mm-hmm. price raise and that was fine. Mm-hmm. But now they've got CEO changes and they have Bob Iger in there and they didn't do yeah. too well last earning season. And the previous earnings season, they yeah. really only did well from the promise that Bob gave. And then we yeah. got to earnings and and he didn't deliver. So. But they but they they brought the old CEO back though, right? Yeah, that's Bob. Mm-hmm. Oh, that okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so when you were saying about Hulu, you don't think that that's gonna help them? Well, it's, it's, it's like if you were to put solar panels on your house at mm-hmm. first, that's going to be a big hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and in the long run, absolutely. It should yeah. help out um, because it should drive, well, I guess that's a poor analogy because solar panels would drive efficiencies that we know would <laughs> take down your electric bill. Whereas yeah. Hulu, I suppose they have some, some um, good ad tiers. Yeah. They have sports which i'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the expert in but i know that's that, that but there you go but disney had espn and that didn't do too well so perhaps they're yeah. not going to know how to how to handle the sports yeah and i i also saw like um some article was talking about how they pretty much reached the maximum price for things that they charge at disney world and stuff and they were showing how like you know popcorn costs 20 dollars there and all this different stuff so they kind of maxed out their their pricing power at the parks too they have they did raise prices and that i I think we've seen the last of that with the overall inflation picture yeah so we'll we'll probably see some of that come down yeah yeah and another thing too i think with streaming is like cable now like we have to like it feels like for the consumer we have to decide like which one should we buy or which one should we watch like should i get disney plus but disney plus doesn't have this one show that i like that um let's say peacock has it's kind of like the consumer gets Mm kind of split and have to decide which one they want so i think that's not only just the problem that disney plus has but just everyone in general has so that's gonna be very interesting to see though yeah but don't you think don't you think that disney owns pretty substantial you know brands care they own pixar they own different you know they own marvel stuff like that like those are important brands i mean they can own as much like that's nice to own those things but still with like tv and like shows and things like that a lot of time it goes with like trends yeah i guess they have a mickey mouse we all know mickey mouse is one of the most popular character ever but Mm -hmm. what is the trending thing um mickey mouse it might not be like they have (laughs) the new princess um mermaid She's trending yeah. now, but in the next four months, it might be, I don't know, a new Space Jam movie comes out. So now the attention has switched back on to HBO and Warner. So Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's, that's this is like the point. only problem right there, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. The next thing I, I saw was that, um, so like U.S. inflation looks like it's coming down, but I saw that in Argent- Argentina, their rates are 97% now because their annual inflation is 109%. 
Completely different issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, inflation is a global issue for sure. Not Mm. too much familiar with the Argentina off the top of my head. We can talk domestic all day, but uh, let's talk to domestic. Yeah. Sure. What shall we talk about domestically where the, the whole picture is? Uh, yeah, yeah. How, it, how deep do we want to go? <laughs> how long well, do you have? Like, <laughs> it looks like, like the, inf- the it looks like the inflation has been kind of like stickier and lasting longer than than they said it was going. You know, I think what let's see. Wait, your your Josh is her screen all blurry? No, I see it. I should fix. That it's is not for okay. Me. It was for me. No, I think it's okay mm-hmm. now. Um. But um, yeah. So the inflation—I don't know. It looks like it's. I think. Well, I think it's at six percent or so annually. But I feel. I feel. I mean, that's still high historically. It is, but it's coming down. So here is how you should look at inflation, and I'm going to pull up the numbers as well. We're looking at for the change to come down, and it's mm-hmm. all various issues that caused inflation. So it's not just one certain thing. So, Mm -hmm. which means that those various issues have to, they're going to be resolved at different times. So what were those issues? Right. So think about going all this way, ask how deep, if you go all the way back to the great financial crisis, so 2008 housing collapse, interest rates were dropped to zero then. And they Mm -hmm. stayed that way for 10 years. And when interest rates Mm -hmm. are that low, that allows for expanding credit and exceptional growth, which is yeah. why we have, it, it kind of paved the way for a technology boom. That's why is, we had the, the bull market right. kind of lasted that, that whole time until 2020, so really. So long. Absolutely. Um, my, my camera is extremely yeah, there, there, you go, go. there you go. Oh, we're back in focus. <laughs> there we go. I don't know what happened. Uh, anyway, so we, we go back to the great financial crisis. Interest rates were at zero. And if interest rates are at zero, that's how money, money is just going everywhere. And the definition of inflation is too many dollars chasing too few of goods. So, and the, in other words, people like to say that the money printer was on the fed just doesn't go print money. That's there's not a machine where they just hit it on. It's the way Mm -hmm. that they buy and sell bonds. Quantitative tightening and easing is the way that money Mm -hmm. goes in and out of the system and Mm -hmm. through interest rates. So the, the tools that the fed uses so mm-hmm. that was part of the inflation overall inflation picture is really, really low interest rates means that your money has a can go, you, you have a lot more of it. I I probably will never buy another home for a while because I know I'm not going to get an interest rate that's lower than 3%. And yeah. if I would go buy another house and do 7%, that's that's not smart on my part. So I'd, I'd end up getting a smaller home. What's the point? Yeah. So that that's what I mean by exceptional growth from the consumer side. And that goes with autos and credit, so on and so forth. Then COVID happened. And that's mm-hmm. that's where things really shook. And that created this exceptional wealth, wealth growth of the consumer because mm-hmm. we weren't doing anything. You were at home. And if you had a job, you were just collecting your paycheck and saving it because there wasn't really much you could do with it. Yeah. But there was a bit of a technology boom. And then, of course, there was government stimulus. So then there's more money into your pocket. So that started growing. So that's one. And then you have the Russia-Ukraine war that caused supply chain constraints. COVID also caused supply chain constraints. And then if you think about pricing power and how 
items get higher and higher, if we as the consumer will go to the grocery store and pay $17 for that, for that a dozen eggs, Mm -hmm. they're going to keep them at that price. No one is going Mm -hmm. to lower it. So the way Mm -hmm. that the fed tackles inflation is by tackling demand. They cannot tackle supply. Oh, and then the other component going back to inflation issues, the huge labor supply issue when COVID happened, not a lot of people came back into the workforce. So now and I don't know if you experienced this, I certainly did, is you and and a lot of my friends as well, if you wanted another job or you wanted a raise, the best way to do that is to get an offer from elsewhere. So everyone was just switching jobs. I call it the great reshuffle rather than the great resignation. And that's wage yeah. inflation. And then if mm. there is higher operating expenses, companies are going to protect their profit margins. They're going to, that's going to trickle down to the prices. They'll raise prices in which case that goes down to the consumer. And if you have a higher paying job and you're willing to to pay for those higher prices, then they're going to stay. So, so it's it's a lot of issues that have to be resolved. So that means that the the interest rates were zero from 2008 all the way until when they just raised them like two years ago? They weren't at zero exactly. They were relatively close. You can go on the um, government website and look at the interest rate raises. Um, or it was like exact. 0.25 or something like that. It's really, really low, which is basically zero. 25 bips is nothing. Especially yeah. compared to what we have now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, so so my, my next question would be, do you, like, when when do you think they would drop interest rates? Like, do you think that would happen this year? Or what do you think interest rates are going to be in a year from now? So I think they're definitely going to be dropped next year. The market actually projects it in November of this year, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is interesting, but I think it's a different type of market because there's a lot more retail participation, but Mm -hmm. you have to think about why they would drop them. Either A, their tools are working out really, really well. So inflation Mm -hmm. is coming down. They could say that job well done or B, something broke. And normally it's B. So that's so if the market thinks that they're going to cut earlier than they anticipate, that's also something that could be concerning inside the market. Now, do you see I always think like it's a better situation to have it where the rates are a little bit higher, like whether it's, you know, four percent or six percent versus zero to two percent, because it kind of rewards the people who are saving their money and it penalize. Well, because before when you had have like let's say you have zero or one percent rates then when you save your money you're not earning any interest so do you like feel like there's a like do you favor a certain like lower interest rates or higher interest rates uh it's an equilibrium and it's not necessarily a one or the other it's more of a balance Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. if you have a lower interest rate i can Mm -hmm. borrow more so Mm -hmm. my 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 funds could could do more, but if yeah. my funds are idle, then they'll make more. So it, you see the balance that's there. It's almost yeah, but, exactly but would, the same. But would you say like when let's say interest rates are, so you, you said you can borrow for less, doesn't that kind of lead more so into recessions and st- that, that's how you have the bubble pop like that, right? It could. And that's why they tackle inflation. That's why things like yeah. this happen. Otherwise we just keep it low forever. That's the point. Yeah, I see. Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, Nico, you want to go on to the next topic? You know more about this than I, I do. Yeah, I saw a bunch of different um, 
bunch of like demonstrations. First, the Adobe one came out. And then I think a week or about a week ago, I think the Google one came out. And it's pretty much just their new artificial intelligence software for photo editing. And as far as the new one with Google looks, it looks like it's going to be a big, a pretty big threat to Adobe because Adobe's was was super cool. Like you can, it's pretty much like automated Photoshop almost. But when you see the new demonstration for Google, I think I sent you the video a couple of days ago, but you, they, you can do so many things to make like a picture, like you take a picture and you can make it look like it was sunny that day, or you can change the way people are standing and all this stuff. And I feel like it's just going to make it where you can't tell if pictures are real or not anymore because you're yeah. going to be able to change so many things. And yeah, it looks really, it looks super real. Yeah, like that's very cool for all like the content creators, like photographers, things like that to, you know, try and maximize their talents. But on the other mm -hmm. flip side, it's kind of like, that's kind of weird. So you can take a picture of me and say I was somewhere else from where I yeah. was really at. That's kind of weird to mm -hmm. me. Though, but yeah. Or like they had like a, they, they had like a picture of a bench with a dog and stuff and they could like, you know erase half of the picture and then put in something else into the picture. So it's, it's, it's really weird now what you're going to be able to do. The year of the AI. I, it's going to be kind of um, cool slash crazy slash neat yeah. to see like AI in the next five years of where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. It's the Fed's key to success, to be mm -hmm. honest. Oh, you think so? Yeah. So, um, AI is something that I, so what I have been talking about since, I don't know, maybe the past year when this whole inflation picture started that going back to, to inflation and what the Fed's trying to do and how AI fits into this overall picture, there was not a lot of people came back to work, right? Post COVID. Mm. And there's, there is a labor supply issue. So too many jobs, not enough people. Yeah. And it, and if you watch every time Fed Chair Powell, Powell speaks, he says labor market imbalance way mm -hmm. too often. He cannot, he can only tackle demand. He cannot fix supply. So yeah. there's no way that, th that he's going to create more job workers unless there's some type of fiscal policy that opens up immigration or something like that. There's no way yeah. that that's going to happen. But if you think about, okay, if I can't get more people to fill these jobs, how mm -hmm. either a there's got to be layoffs, which obviously isn't going to happen because there's too many, too, there's there's too many job openings, so they just kind of mm -hmm. stop hiring or go in different areas. Mm -hmm. A way that you can bring that down is increased productivity, and what increases yeah. productivity more than artificial AI? Intelligence? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I that see will. So you can now, when you look at the, that's why the jolts data and the jobs numbers that come out monthly are more important and more of a market moving event, because not only are you looking for, I mean, the, the real thing is wage inflation, but focus on the problem, not the solution. The mm -hmm. pro it, and if you see productivity numbers starting to increase, then that's a good sign of inflation coming down in an early indication. Yes. And I believe it's AI that's doing that. And and I think robots contribute to that too, because there's lots of fast food restaurants that are integrating that into the I know I think which ones? I think McDonald's did that. And then I think Yeah, they have one Wendy's in is Texas that's like fully all automated yeah. whatever. And Wendy's is setting up something where the drive through is gonna be fully automated by by artificial intelligence, I think. So that'll be interesting when that 
gets rolled out too. Oh, um, and there's another the, thing. Too. Automation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another thing too at some McDonald's. Like it's kind of like it's not full fully automated, but when you like you go to the drive through, it's like, hi, my name is like it's like an AI robot talking to you. That I noticed that too. Mm. Yeah. But Jessica, the other thing I want to ask you is in regards to AI uh raising productivity, that's I, I read an article where like a whole team or a staff at a Photoshop company, they all got fired because AI pretty much took it over. So where do you like do you think it's there's still going to be in job opportunities for people to to do things after they get fired or what is that going to look like oh yeah um because we saw layoffs only within the tech sector and that mm-hmm. did not filter into the unemployment rate going higher because there are other jobs that are out there and then if you think about this revolutionary aspect that is artificial intelligence if mm-hmm. you think about any other time that this has happened at least mm-hmm within our lifetimes is Apple or the World Wide Web. And when the World Wide Web came out, those are things that were difficult to evaluate because it was something new and innovative and no one really knew what it was. But it, I say mm-hmm. it's a good analogy because you use the internet no, in every single vertical or in, in every single sector. So whether you're in healthcare or technology or finance, you are touching yeah. the internet. But when it first came out, you didn't. And yeah. you didn't realize that impact. So, Mm -hmm. and then it also created new jobs like e-commerce, the the online advertising and all of these online platforms that we rely on didn't exist before. So we don't even know the jobs that are going to be out there. Certainly take jobs and increase productivity, but it's at a time right now where there are more job openings than there are people. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not going to kill the economy. Yeah. You brought up the tech um, layoffs real quick. I want to actually get your opinion on that. What do you think was a big factor of all for all the big like tech layoffs that was going on? Say that question one more time. What do you think was like one big or like key reason for all the tech jobs, people in tech in general getting laid off? Yeah. Sure. So um if you think about when you rise interest rates, it hits the technology f- sector first. Because mm-hmm. if you're in technology, like like Facebook or Meta, I, I cannot not call it Facebook. Meta. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, it's hard for me too. It's hard for me too. So difficult. Uh, Google, all of those within that tech sector, first of all, they overhired during COVID. The yeah. only one that didn't was Apple, which is why they didn't have those mass layoffs. Then if you rise interest rates, when you are innovating and you are in not necessarily the startup world, but you're creating new products, what do you need to do that? cash you need lots and lots of cash and then what takes cash away really really high interest rates so then you can't borrow so they stop innovating when you stop innovating you lay off those sectors that are innovating or at least that portion of your business so Mm -hmm. meta just stopped with the metaverse something that they've had a huge promise of value which hasn't come to fruition but also Mm -hmm. what amplified that is over hiring during covid and then normalization once things reopened yeah so so That's why the tech sector falls at first. Would you say that when interest rates go back down, do you think Meta is going to return to uh, the metaverse investments and all that stuff and then start rehiring people again? Um, I don't know if they will. They definitely have this year of efficiency and a very interesting focus that Mr. Zuckerberg is doing at the moment. Yeah, um, right. But... I think they're going to focus on operating efficiency and you can already see 
they they had the worst year last year and absolutely yeah. haven't fully recovered but have been ripping and rallying since January of this year. Yeah, yeah. right, right. All right, um, I'm excited to talk about the next one, the next oh, thing on our okay. list. Here. Oh, you are? Yeah, I am because I uh, so the IRS. So I I've owned Intuit stock for a while now, but I actually sold the majority of it because I got worried normally i don't do things like this but i got worried that this was actually a threat so the irs said that they're coming out with a free tax filing software by next year and it looks like intuit stock and h&r block was affected by this so do you think this is a temporary thing or is this going to actually uh be a because th- the majority of intuit's revenue comes from that sort that sort of business so do you think it's going to be a big mm-hmm. threat to them or how is that going to look it depends on the value that they add. So the stock market mm-hmm. is forward-looking. So it mm-hmm. prices in new information as it comes to light and then adjusts accordingly. So mm-hmm. the stock market is by no means a measure of the economy. But if you look at an individual security, so that's all stock market is, a bunch of companies, mm-hmm. it's their future promise of value or revenue exposure. So mm-hmm. they just took a huge hit to revenue because that IRS is is going to allow you to do their part of their business online but Mm -hmm. it's how are are they going to adjust from there like meta knew that the metaverse wasn't coming out to fruition they adjusted by having layoffs and then focusing on reels monetization and other aspects that drove their revenue so if Intuit and h&r block have tax consultants that they can add that will help that on your behalf and they or things like that i haven't gone into the details but meaning that's an opportunity for you to readjust from there because all that the market really cares about is profit margins so you have a hit to your revenue are you going to fix with operating efficiency or increasing your revenue preferably you want both so you have expanding profit margin yeah because they i mean if if that happens and and it it is a big hit to their revenue they would have to do something they have to completely change their business you know and get a whole new stream of revenue i mean they do own i think they own at least five companies though so they have they're pretty diverse revenue wise but i think turbo tax is the biggest one so if that went if that went uh obsolete or something they'd have to really change the business around yeah i think whatever's one yeah. like the fastest and like most efficient will probably be the best and like live the most like adapt survive you know most Americans know with tax season, we want our money or have to know we have to pay anything back fast. Like we want to do it mm-hmm. online quick. It's, it's not like 20 years ago when we're going to our tax lady to do our taxes anymore. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the so next time. Into it, they are 30% of their revenue is from the consumer um, for like tax services. Tax? Mm-hmm. And then they also have QuickBooks, which I, that's just, that's like, um taxes and accounting for small business right that's about 20 percent okay so they and credit karma i did not know that they and credit karma and oh, yeah i totally forgot about credit karma yeah yeah so but that, that's that's how i would look at that though is who has the biggest revenue exposure to mm-hmm. this consumer tax services and then that will mm-hmm. give me an indication of how they could adjust because they i'm sure they have something else so they may just focus on their small business and self-employed or maybe they completely get rid of their consumer business and then yeah. that's how they would adjust from there. And but that would still lower their their valuation though, right? As a company. Yeah. But it did that already. That's why that's why the market yeah. immediately tanks when something happens because it says, oh, sorry, your revenue's gone. 
Yeah. This is not the value of your company anymore. Your company has lost some value. And really, and really H&R Block would probably suffer more from that than they're probably less diversified than uh, than Intuit. I don't know. I'm looking at it real time right now. I don't even know H&R hmm. Block. What's H&R's Block? I don't know. HRB. That makes sense. <laughs> Some of them don't make any sense. Yeah, some of them don't make sense. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, this company starts with a G. Why is it X? Like, like Southwest Airlines is, is Southwest Airlines is L. Oh, yeah. Lo- but that's part of the slogan, though, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. So H&R Block, they are 60% is assisted. Do-it-yourself is 9.2%. Hmm. that's not too bad okay so before we go to the next thing on our list i i want to add something in there i want to i want to ask you about index funds because sure i i've been reading a book lately that it's well it's it's called um the little book of common sense investing by john bogle i think the guy who invented the index fund and it's pretty much just a bunch of evidence on, on why you should be investing in index funds instead of picking stocks and, you know, I think the statistic is 90% of hedge funds can't beat the S&P. So w- what's your thoughts on that? And do you think that it's worth it for people to tr- for investors to try picking stocks, even if the odds are against them? Uh, I think it is extremely important to be diverse. So normally those books go off of compound interest and there is a mm-hmm which is absolutely the best way to grow your wealth. And Mm -hmm. historically that's really well with index funds. And usually the index fund that you're comparing it to is an S and P 500 fund, Mm -hmm. which is extremely diverse averages 7%. Um, Mm -hmm. If that's the book, then that makes sense because Mm -hmm. if you look at the S and P 500 over time, it's Mm -hmm. not the same 500 stocks. Yeah. Things move in and out of that. It is the biggest 500 stocks that mm-hmm. that are within that fund. There are other funds and index funds that aren't going to do too well that are concentrated and when I say concentrated in a specific sector internationally um mm-hmm. small cap large cap there are so many different. So when you do S&P or your large cap and mega yeah. cap. So I I think that if you want to pick stocks I think you absolutely can because now you have all the tools and resources available to you. You didn't have that before. If you are the Warren Buffett investor who had the advantage of saving wealth since you were 11 years old, well, if yeah, you wanted sure. to look at how a company was making money, you'd have to go through physical pieces of paper. You're not yeah. doing that now. There's so yeah. much, even the tools that I'm using to look up revenue exposure, those are literally mm. free to anybody. They're not just because I have access to them. I just yeah. know where they are because I'm, I'm in the industry for so long. Um mm. So that, I think that helps and makes a difference where it is a loser's game is if you buy terrible securities. So yeah. meaning dabbling in penny stocks or mm. don't look at analyst ratings or mm. try to, there, there's risk for a reason. So mm. if you have developed your wealth and you have part of your wealth within an index fund and you mm. want to pick stocks too, go mm. for it. Yeah. I think it's absolutely fine. Now, okay, so you said the S&P is the 500 largest stocks. Is the NASDAQ 100 the, the top 100 largest stocks? Or is that different? No. 
NASDAQ 100 is all technology stocks and it includes financial services. So okay. it's really okay. technology. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they are but the they, largest, largest ones. Yes. But but doesn't the NASDAQ have a lot of they don't they have companies like um that aren't really tech related? Like they have like Walgreens or they have really uh conservative companies in, in there too, right? Yep, that would be the NASDAQ composite, but the NASDAQ 100 is technology oh, focused. I see. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. NASDAQ composite is, um, like you said, composite. I'm not saying that word well. Um, yeah. <laughs> my Southern accent's coming out. Uh, <laughs> it is, I think it's over 3,600 now. Okay. Um, and like so that. Is, you, that, is that what the QQQ is? No, the QQQ is the NASDAQ 100. Oh, that's the top 100. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. All right, Josh, you ready for the next topic? Of course. I'm a big fan of that. Apple, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's not to like about this? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because I've been seeing a lot of um, news about how India might be the, mo the more, one of the biggest emerging markets now, and even more so than China, possibly. And one sign of this is that Apple said they're investing, or Apple's largest manufacturing partner, Foxconn, said that they're investing $500 million to build new plants in India. So what do you guys think about India being the new hot market, and uh, how does China compare to that? Makes sense to me. Uh, so supply chain constraints, that's a mm -hmm. reason Apple had to raise their prices in a result of those supply chain constraints due to the COVID mm -hmm. shutdown, because a lot mm -hmm. of their, I, the parts for the iPhone were produced in China, and they mm -hmm. had a difficult time getting access to that. And then in mm -hmm. a response to inflation, which is really interesting, the iPhone had a different price depending on what country you were in. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. they adjusted it. Mm -hmm. And that. so India, India is an emerging market. And that's also diversification of operating expenses. So, um, hmm. and Apple has one of the best management I'd say that's out there. They try mm -hmm. to get to a, a cash neutral, um, what's the word there? It, it, it's cash neutral offering. And which mm -hmm. is so smart and amazing. They're notoriously known for having so much cash and cash neutral means that they want to have cash equivalent to their debt. So that, that's what cash oh, neutral yeah. means. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, they have a lot of buybacks and dividends and things like yeah. that. So diversifying though, where if a supply chain issue constraint were to rise again due to any type of issue with China, it's important to ver to diversify your suppliers. And yeah, right. India is absolutely emerging from other other aspects as well. But it's a smart move on Apple's part. Do you think, so Apple is, they're the largest company, they, they have the largest market cap, right? I think it's close to 2 trillion yes. or something. Do you think mm -hmm. that, um, do you think they're almost too big to continue growing? Like, would you expect the stock market returns to be high for that stock? Or do you think they're so big that they can only grow at 2% per year or something? Oh, they can keep going. Apple used to be a $2 stock. They'll, they'll go. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be a penny stock, actually. Um, but, I, I think their biggest challenge is, honestly, iPhone sales just next quarter, but they'll overcome mm -hmm. that really quickly. That's mm -hmm. it, though. But do you think at this size, do you think they're still capable of growing, you know, 10% plus per year? You do? Okay. I do. They have very good management structure. They okay. did not overhire during covid they, mm -hmm. which is, which is key. It is a, I, I work on the strategy side as well. And if mm -hmm. you compare, um, I, I work in 
mainly options and a mm -hmm. lot of brokerage firms assess strategies based on the influx of options trading in 2021. That's mm -hmm. a comparative view to what happened with technology. You can mm -hmm. never compare strategically your best year as normal. Yeah, right. And right, Apple right. did not do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's a good thing for new investors too, like seeing all these other companies such True. as Google had these big layoffs, but Apple is still standing strong. That's like a good thing in my eyes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good management. Yeah, okay, but next I'm, up our real quick, I want to say I can't wait for the new iPhone 15 comes out because I need a new phone. So if anyone in India has like the new iPhone 15, like even ready now, just 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 text me, DM me, and uh, <laughs> I'll pay for is it. Is the new is the new iPhone gonna be that much different than the last one? I think it's supposed to be some new stuff in it, though. Like what? Like I don't know. <laughs> of course, it's going to be a better camera, but I do think um, they said it's going to be a, like a bigger jump compared to usual. Oh, so okay. I'm going to have to do my research on it, but I do need a new phone. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, next up on our list is Home Depot, another stock I own. And, uh, Wait, I right you now... said you, you hate it. Uh, no, I'm sorry. What? You, you hate Best Buy. Sorry about that. No, I don't hate Best Buy. I just was suggesting that... <laughs> Uh, they could go out of business because I feel like you might as well go to Amazon to buy this, this, the same products. But um, but Home Depot lowered their forecast and they expect sales to go down a couple percent. So I guess that's a sign that uh, the consumer is not spending as much as they were the last couple of years. Um, but long but for as for the next you know five years investment wise, I think Home Depot would be a good investment. What do you guys think? Do y'all think, well, real quick, do y'all think that like the overall home market and like people like not wanting to buy homes affects Home Depot too? Of Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. It does. But yeah. are people renovating as well? Yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. But I won't, what was your question though again? Nico? My, my, question, my question was, do you think Home Depot would be a good investment for the next five years? Hmm. Me, me personally, mm. I like Menards better. I, that's not a stock, though. <laughs> I know, but um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm very like, not say scared, but I'm very worried. Some like putting money to those different like retail stores, like trying mm. to invest in them. So, uh, I'm not sure. Pro probably no, but okay. I don't like their financials. You you don't like it? Those now. No. So I think there, there, there is also a housing shortage. So that gives me some type of indication that they should do well, because I expect there to be still construction, at least where I am. I am in an area where I just see it all the time and it's not affected and rather resilient. Yeah. However, um, it's 18.2 next year's earnings. So that's about with the market as um, wait, they don't to have, do they have negative equity? Uh -huh. Oh, uh, let me see. I think it, I, I want to say at one point they had negative equity. So I think you're right. I think the balance sheet is not, not as strong as it should be. And that's okay if they have negative equity, as long as the profit margins are expanding. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel no, like I notice. how's the balance sheet? They've got, they've got about 14.9. So 15% profit margin. That's okay. not bad. And they make most of their revenue off of gardening, which I did not expect to see. <laughs> um, 
Gardening is a big business. Gardening is I did not business. expect to see that. That's all. Um, I can't. I can't garden. Uh, their revenue goes up every year, and so does their yeah. net income. I mean, that's not. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, because I feel like the companies that are really big, like the Home Depot, the Verizon. AT&T, a lot of the big corporations, they don't have the greatest financials a lot of times. I feel like they're like, or like the airlines or another industry, it's almost like they can get away with worse financials than than uh, smaller companies. Airlines are a little volatile. They're interesting. It's so difficult to make money, I think, in the airline business. And then you have to rely mm-hmm. on gas too, and they've got labor issues. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Okay, for sure. Josh, I think our next topic here is going to be relating to the banking crisis. Oh, yeah, because yeah. JP Morgan says they will not rescue another bank, but wah, Janet, wah, wah. but Janet Yellen says that that they they there there may need to be more acquisitions as she's expecting more banks possibly to go under. So, um, I guess Jessica, what do you think? What do you think, like, how, how long do you think this, this crisis will last? And do you, do you look at companies like JP Morgan or Bank of America as risky investments at the moment? There has, there is a playbook for this that the Fed has. Mm-hmm. So I think that is important to know. Mm-hmm. For example, a, the bank run that happened with the Silicon Valley bank collapse and mm-hmm. the regional banks is much quicker than usual because we don't have to stand in line to go get our cash, I can just, you know, do it with my phone. Mm-hmm. That was a quicker exodus that was also amplified with social media, which also mm-hmm. means that the inverse is also true. The resolution is rather quicker because we have data and you can see it. And there is a data point that we don't have access to that the Fed does. So that's why you look for the Fed balance sheet that comes out monthly, as well as the mm-hmm. FOMC minutes, which I think are this week, actually. Yeah, they are Wednesday at two. Mm-hmm. Um, FDIC deposits. So what's happening with deposits? We want to find out and understand. And then there are lots of extraordinary measures that they put in to make sure that the banks have access to liquidity and they'll mm-hmm. just start providing easing once more. They already have their there's banks co- their cash coming on the balance sheets. Expanding now, those balance sheets. Now, in in relating to what we just talked about with interest rates and when the Fed is going to lower interest rates, they, there's also some pressure coming from the banking crisis for the Fed to lower rates because that would help that situation. But meanwhile, they need to keep rates higher to fix the inflation issue, right? So they kind of have two different, you know, things coming at them. Yeah, well, it actually helps. So. Think about what happens when you raise interest rates. You are making it harder to borrow. So you're tackling Mm -hmm. the demand from the consumer. Now, if you go on on the bank side, the Mm -hmm. bank is now squeezed for liquidity or Mm -hmm. doesn't have access. Because what they they do is when you have a deposit into a bank, they leverage it 10 times over. And normally Mm -hmm. they put those within treasuries, which are supposed to be the safest securities out there, but with an inverted yield curve, if you have to access those, they're going to take it at a loss, which now mm-hmm. they have less access to cash, especially if you right. don't have consistent deposits coming in. So now they're mm-hmm. constrained for cash, which means they're not going to lend out more money, which is another way of tackling consumer demand. Because that just means stop spending money, people. So what's going to mm-hmm. stop people from spending money if it's higher interest rates or the bank is like, so sorry, you don't qualify mm-hmm. for this loan. 
So mm-hmm. it's actually another form of raising interest rates with what's happening and expected. Mm-hmm. And this has happened before. So mm-hmm. it actually helps, even though it's not a direct reflect on the FOMC rate that they're charging banks, because that's what all it is. When they raise interest rates, it's not directly us. It's the overnight rate for the banks. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. the banks are squeezed for liquidity. Now they have they are squeezed for more liquidity. So now mm-hmm. it 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 just comes to us not having access to cash. That's, but but wouldn't that like real quick? But wouldn't that like negatively affect a, a housing market too? Then, like, does someone want to go out there and get a house? It does, but we also have a housing shortage, so mm-hmm. people kind of like like they flocked to my area, so into the Florida's, Texas, and um, other areas where they're just buying cash for a house. Mm-hmm. There's a huge, huge issue there, but yes, it should, and it hasn't, it, it has a little bit, it hasn't trickled down to rents, but it stops the demand for mortgages. But now there's this normalization around 6% and people are okay buying at 6%. So they're still buying houses because it's cheaper than to buy a house in an area like, like Florida or Texas than mm-hmm. New York. Okay. So the cost mm-hmm. of living is still driving this demand in certain pockets of the country. But okay, going back to the banks, but wouldn't the, the banks, if the interest rates were lower, then all then all the investments they made in those treasuries are going to are going to go up, right? So they're gonna have more, they're gonna have more money and they're gonna be able to get their their investment back. So that would help with the liquidity issue though, right? If the rates went back down. Yeah, I would create more liquidity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely would. And more borrowing and everything would rally if that happened, mm-hmm. if it was for the right reason. Now, I mean, going back to like, I think the banks made a lot of those investments in 2021, I want to say. And I think the rates were, what, maybe 2% or something like that. Um, it looks like, so they're they're underwater right now because those rates are at what, we're at like 5% now. So does that like what were they thinking back like was that just a bad management decision to be putting all those putting putting all that money into those short or no they're not short term bonds they're long term treasuries right so was that just a bad management decision or what happened there um i think it was for silicon valley bank and you think it's mm-hmm. it's again goes to diversity so it's the diversity mm-hmm. of your client base if you are silicon valley bank was mostly vc funded yeah so if you were a startup, where why are you putting money in the bank? It's not to grow your wealth so you can meet payroll. You're going to get funded by VCs, and then you're going to draw down that bank account. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, if VC funding stops and you're Silicon Valley Bank, you're not getting any more funding. So right. when people want their money, you're, things like this will happen. You'll have a bank run, and then you'll go under, Yeah, but which like- is what they did. They did not have a diverse clientele at all. All right, you want to go to uh, down to the next topic then? Yeah, this one's interesting. Okay, yeah. So we already talked about Meta slash Facebook, whatever you want to call it, but it's really Meta. But um, it says <laughs> Meta is making a microblogging competitor to Twitter. So mm-hmm. how how are we feeling about that? Do you think this thing will be successful, or what do you think? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. So do they have like a name? Do for you it use or? Facebook? Yeah. No. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're um I'm 23, he's 24. Um he definitely uses Facebook more than me. I always thought that the younger generation doesn't use Facebook at all. I'm hardly that, on there, but that's what well, a lot of people that's what weird. a lot of people no, say. No, 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 no. Nico's weird. He listens to like 70s rock all the time. Like he's completely weird compared to the rest of us. He's completely okay. Weird. That people that's what people say, but I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of people my age that use Facebook. There's a lot. Interesting. But um back to the micro blog. That's important to know though. That's important to know if yeah. the microblogging is going to work, though. That's why I asked that question. Yeah. And it, it looks like the microblogging thing is going to be, it says it's going to be more connected to Instagram than it is Facebook. So that, that's, and yeah. Instagram does have the younger demographics too. So, um, you know, okay. I, who know, I don't know what this app's going to look like, but I feel like Meta is, I don't know, I feel like they have a good track record of coming out with stuff and being successful, besides for the metaverse. They have a good track record of being successful with stuff. Yeah. I mean, Marcus said it's the year of efficiency and he's focusing on things to drive revenue. And I was surprised with this last earnings results. I was expecting them to beat earnings purely on operating efficiencies because of all of the layoffs that they've been doing. Yeah. But they actually had more revenue and it was from ads and seeing the ad space expand. Mm-hmm. When you expect to have this restrictive mm-hmm. environment on the consumer is interesting and a mm-hmm. very good sign. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I think there's some interesting social media worlds going on, social media wars going on. Yeah. And I think that Meta is, well, Twitter was, Twitter kind of suffered for a little bit because of Elon Musk. I think a lot of people slash companies didn't want to buy ads on that platform just because they don't like Elon Musk. But I think Meta is uh, um, kind of like the number one go-to company. If you're a business who wants to do advertising online, I think Facebook and Instagram are going to be at the top of the list for most businesses because they have the most users. I think they have over 3 billion users across all platforms. So I think Meta is is uh, number one. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been doing well. It's been mm-hmm. number one stock this year for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but on social media, you just say things go by trends. And the most trendiest yes. thing around here is TikTok. And we actually had big news with TikTok this past <laughs> upcoming week, this past week. So it says yeah. TikTok is now banned in the state of Montana. How are we feeling about it? Jessica, you can go I mean, first. I try my best not to get political <laughs> at all. Um, but I think it's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, Josh, you don't, you think that this is that just cause it happened in Montana, that's not a good like representation of what's going to happen across the country. But I feel like, I feel like there's going to be more states. I feel like this opens the door for more states to make a similar decision. I wish I had data. Like what's like, where's the hottest like content creators or like people that use TikTok the most. It's probably definitely people with the highest, like states with higher population, maybe. Probably just yeah. that, like a chart data. But, you know, kids are in love with TikTok, you know, and kids are yeah. the future. So, yeah, but m- don't m- you maybe think we are. think like, yeah, maybe you could say like, oh, Vine didn't last that long. Vine lasted what, like four or five years, if that? Yeah. When it was really hot. And mm-hmm. what TikTok has been around for what, three, four years now? Yeah, but, but can't, don't you think that, 
Instagram reels and YouTube shorts and stuff and Facebook is it almost transfers over to those platforms. People can watch the same type of videos on those platforms. And most creators are posting the same video Top on all yeah. platforms anyways. So I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if, if TikTok got banned in the whole country, then people would just watch the same things on different on Google or, or Facebook. Yeah. But I think with the TikTok algorithm, even though it has the issues, the big drama that's going on with the algorithm, it probably is mm -hmm. probably the best algorithm from all yeah. the social media access. So I it think is. that's still. I one agree thing. with that. That's going to be one thing TikTok. why people. Yeah, she loves TikTok. Who doesn't love TikTok? I don't but see, TikTok. I don't know. I don't know if the um, if what's what's the word? I don't know if there's like. Uh, I feel like two years ago, I feel like it was much easier to get views than it is today. So I don't know if there's more creators on there. Or what happened, but I think it got flooded with more creators and it kind of not saturated the market, but it's, I feel like there's more competition now. I'm sure it's saturated the market. I'm feeling that too. Um, um, I do think it's just, a good algorithm though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Jessica, when did you start on TikTok? Uh, it was November of last year. Oh, so not that long. Okay. Yeah, about like six no. some months. No, yeah, longer than that, God. Yeah. It's, it's already yeah, just about. <laughs> and I know. Completely new for me. I mean, because remember, I, I wasn't allowed to do it. I had to give up my licenses to even post. <laughs> so you, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, at least the content that I'm posting. <laughs> so you gave up your licenses like like last year? Yep, February of last year. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we got a couple more uh, topics to hit here. Sure. The yeah. next one is the debt ceiling. Consumer debt hit mm -hmm. 17 trillion despite mortgage loans declining. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you guys um, think is going to happen? So, all right. Do you know how many times we've raised the debt ceiling? Mm -hmm. um, Twenty thousand oh. times. That's a high number. Over a hundred times. <laughs> 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 um, and I get I, I really try not to get political so I like to keep that a mystery even though uh -huh. some people might it's <laughs> obvious um, it, does, it doesn't matter what side right so one side they say spends way too much money mm -hmm. and then the other side takes away the revenue so mm -hmm. they each do the things to mm -hmm. the debt ceiling right and so we have a very div divided government right now, which means yeah. nothing happens, which is actually yeah. notoriously and normally good for the stock market, oddly enough, when nothing happens fiscally, but not yeah. in this point with the, the debt ceiling. So the only time that we can point back into history where this was relatively close was back in 2011. And mm. when you have this game of chicken or the standoff between each party who aren't agreeing, it took an outside force for them to finally make a decision and that outside force was 17 percent decline in the stock market so that's the thing that we want mm -hmm. to avoid but i don't think one party wants to be responsible for that and just like we can mm -hmm. take action they can either they can raise the debt ceiling and then be fine and then have their little fights and figure it out from there mm -hmm. it's it it just it's just an agreement it's like if my 
child was arguing with someone else and I just have to step in and say, hey, we're going to do this for now. And then we're going to figure it out in a moment. That's what they need to but, do. So, but if they if they don't raise the debt ceiling, that means that what they're they're not going to be good for paying back their on the bonds. Is that what they're uh, well, they're going to have to choose and they haven't done that before. So it's prioritizing their they're going to pay the bills. So and, yeah. and that's that's what this this is what drives me insane about the whole thing. When you raise the debt ceiling, you're not saying, oh, you can spend more money mm-hmm. or you're just saying you can you can spend the money that we've already agreed and authorized. It's oh, not. I see. Yeah, it's not anything more. So what's going to happen is you don't have money to pay your bills. So they're going to choose it. And so what type of bills is that? It's our creditors, mostly China. Um, mm. Or is it, are we going to fund the military? Are we not going to fund some of the healthcare or any government sponsored programs? Are we not going to pay social security? That's why if you don't, if we do not come to an agreement when the debt ceiling is hit, it has a detrimental effect on the economy because people who rely on social security, if they were to cut that off, yeah. that, that would be terrible. Terrible. So, okay, so so what's the reasoning for not raising the debt ceiling? Uh, they are having this game of chicken. And like I said, it's like toddlers fighting. The yeah. Republicans are saying, saying, Democrats, you need to stop spending money right now. We're not going to agree to a, a deal unless you agree to X. And then Democrats are saying, well, Republicans, if you don't agree to this part of the IRA bill, or, then we're not going to do anything. So they're literally just having this tit for tat. Yeah, that's it. They're using it as a leverage. It's kind of like a like a wife versus a husband kind of thing. I don't know. Where are we going to dinner? Which one's the wife and which one's the husband? (laughs) We don't know. I like to say toddlers, (laughs) but we would think that. I mean, my house, my house is a democracy, but maybe some others aren't. (laughs) And I have a twelve-year-old son, so I I, I get it to his his arguing, I suppose. Okay, I think we have, what, two or three more things left. Um, the next one on this list is... Oh, this is a good question, too. This, is, this, is, this might be a difficult question, but how do you determine a fair P.E. ratio for a stock? Or is... Let, oh, me, let, me, give a, let, let me give a little bit extra to this. So, like, some, some companies will typically trade at, you know, let's say a 10 P.E., and then some companies like Amazon or something is going to trade at... 40 or 50 times earnings on a normal basis over a long period of time. So is there a strong reasoning for that? Or can Amazon start trading at 15 times earnings tomorrow? Sure. So always look at forward year earnings, not current. Okay. I think that's a huge difference. You look at overall the market. So all the time you'll hear the market's trading at, right now, it's, I think it's 18 times, 18 times next year's earnings. So that's mm-hmm. just saying in comparison to the overall market, this is where we think earnings are. Then you have to layer on, you can do it with sectors. So technology notoriously always had a higher forward year PE ratio because they had higher revenue expectations and higher yeah. earnings per share expectations. So it's yeah. those three put together. If you see a combat, if you see a high PE, then it mm-hmm. better be married with or come with higher revenue expectations and higher earnings per share growth. If it yeah. doesn't, then it's overvalued. And that mm. this, when you lay your over techno- technical analysis and you say, all right, this has been way overbought. I expect this to go down now. Mm-hmm. But let's say, okay, or so like Amazon, 
let, let's say for Amazon, you could have said over, you know, I think I don't know how at least the last decade, if not longer, Amazon traded at a, a high PE ratio. So you could have said 10 years ago, I'm not going to buy Amazon. It doesn't look like a attract attractive investment because of it's trading at 50 or 60 times earnings. But you would have made a bunch of money mm -hmm. if you invested from 10 years ago. So I guess, do you see a way to distinguish, you know, one like let's like Shopify is another example that traded super high, but, um, you know, Shopify has fell a lot more, but do you see a reason or a way to distinguish, like, is it, is, is it fairly trading at 50 times earnings? Like, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but what do you think? I know what you're saying. Um, it's, it's everything around it. If mm -hmm. that whole sector trades that high, then that's your benchmark. Mm, okay. So it's just, it's kind of like, um, Oh, it's always a, it's always an amazing thing when I have a sports analogy. So that's, that's we always get excited because I don't, don't care about sports. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, like if you have a good player on a team, here's my sports yeah. analogy. You're going to compare them all, right? Like the quarterbacks, yeah. I'm going to butcher it. But if you've got a Tom Brady, he might have a higher PE ratio, but you're going to compare him to the other ones. You see what I mean? Yeah, but he has yeah, a yeah. higher promise of value because you know that he does more touchdowns and things like that. Um, <laughs> did I do it? Because it's a really big <laughs> deal if I do a sports analogy. That made sense <laughs> to me. That made sense to me. Yeah. Right. But I guess right, so I'm joking. You're, but you're, you're still you're still taking a risk though to say, let's say you say um, Amazon is is worth more they have a more promising future than their than the peers in that industry you're still taking a yes. a an extended risk by paying 50 times forward earnings for a, a company like you, that though you are but you're not guessing on it you have data you have analyst expectations tom they there are people who are going to look at tom brady and be like he does x y and z we expected this out of him where yeah. analysts do the same thing with securities. They say, okay, this is, they do their, their free cash flow analysis, EBITDA, whatever they do to come up with the analyst expectations. And that's inclusive of revenue expectations and earnings per share expectations. And mm -hmm. so they're going to use that data and tell you if it's, if that's higher than normal, then that also justifies a higher than normal PE. Mm -hmm. Or like, have you, you know, um, have you heard of Teladoc Health? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a stock. I think during the pandemic, it was $300 a share, at least something like that. And I think today it's like 25 or something like that, because back then it was trading at, I want to say 10 times sales somewhere in that range today. It's like one time sales, if not lower. So, I mean, back then you could have said, Oh, it's trading at 10 times sales because they're expected to grow 30% per year. But then that whole story changes and you know now you you would be down eighty percent on your money if you invested at that time. So I guess is, is there a way to prevent falling into that trap? No, that's the risk of the stock market. So you have to have an investment thesis. You have to understand the entire macro environment. And Teladoc was a great example of how the new normal was not defined yet, but mm -hmm. there was a, I suppose, bets is the right mm -hmm. word made on what that new normal would look like. And mm -hmm. that certainly wasn't Teladoc. Where are they at? Yeah, they have negative growth expectations. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. 
But okay. it's also it's an overall macro picture. That's the way that I look at it. So it's where is the market going? What's the risks with the with the current market environment? What are the headwinds and what are the tailwinds? So right now the big issue is an overall inflation picture. When that's mm-hmm. resolved, we're going to see better returns. But um, uncertainty is volatility. They are one in the same. So what I'm looking for is productivity increases. So AI is a solution to a major macro head, which is a labor shortage. There mm-hmm. are a lot of concerns around energy. So alternative energy is something mm-hmm. that you see coming, especially, and then you also look at earnings calls. Like they said mm-hmm. the word reshoring and AI uh, so many times. I don't have yeah, to every, every company says AI. Every company says AI now. They do. And that's also something, those are bubble factors that you have to watch for. But if you have the larger caps that, that actually have proven revenue, like Apple, mm-hmm. if they say they're going to do something with AI, I believe them. If this penny stock, I don't. So there, yeah. that's where there's, there's a difference. So if your overall macro picture, which just means big environment stock market picture, is in mm-hmm. line with a security that you're picking as well, you have mm-hmm. to, you just have to do your homework. Just like you were going to go buy a house or rent a house, whatever you're doing when you when you get your house, if you were going to go to the bank and get a mortgage, they're going to require you. Or even when you go rent, they're going to say, can you, can you meet these obligations? Mm-hmm. Can you show us that you can meet these obligations? And then mm-hmm. you yourself are going to say, okay, am I, is this temporary for me? Do I want to live here? Maybe I'm getting a duplex and going to have some multiple income streams, or this is temporary until you go elsewhere because you really want to go there. Like that is the same. It's a big big decision you're making about your life and -hmm. your money and so is investing so you just have to do your homework that's really it okay what what about this situation where i think like mcdonald's is an example of a stock where uh for the for multiple years it traded at let's say 15 times earnings and now today i think it's like 30 times earnings so is that to say that this is the new normal like would you feel comfortable investing at this point, or would you say that it's going to revert to the mean and it's more likely to go back down to where it, it used to trade? Are you looking at forward year PE or current PE? I I want to say it's trailing. It's trailing PE. Okay. That I never, ever look at. They are 23 times next year's earnings forward okay. year and 6.5% revenue growth and 9% earnings growth. Which is mm-hmm. overvalued. Um, mm-hmm. That's not doing a whole process, but that that is that is definitely overvalued in comparison to the market. But then that's mm-hmm. where I would layer on my overall thesis. McDonald's mm-hmm. is considered very defensive yeah. because if there was a very constrained consumer, that is mm-hmm. a cheaper food alternative. So if you're going to go yeah. quit going out to eat, that's something that you may not cut back on your spending. Yeah. So if, if anything, they'd if, get more business probably. I am exactly. about to buy 10 so, McChickens now just because Jessica said it's overvalued. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it's undervalued. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, but that's the reason why it looks overvalued is because it's trading higher than it should in comparison to the expectations. And that's because people are still spending because they see it as defensive. Okay. Would you, would you say, um, I know I'm spending a lot of time on the P ratio, but would you say this is a fair way to look at things? A lot of times I will say, I'll look at the last decade of where the stock traded at PE wise. And yes, it is, it is trailing normally. Um, 
And then I'll say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll base it off of that relative to where the PE stood the last 10 years. Would you say that's a fair way to, to analyze it? I would say historical average is absolutely fine, but I would do mm -hmm. it by sector. But then I would compare that to the forward year PE because you are okay. trailing PE, you're trailing, trailing probably 12 months. That's what has happened. And we mm -hmm. care about where it's going. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. There is a fact set has overall market PE. You can just Google it. Um, fact set earnings insight or something like that. Free and refinitive as well. Those are two okay. good ones. Okay. All right, so I guess it's time for the next topic. We already talked about index funds. You still want to bring that up, or you got something else? No, yeah, we already, yeah, we already addressed that. Okay, twenty twenty three market predictions. So, by the time December thirty first hits, we're taking a recap of how wonderful the year twenty twenty three was. How do you think the market's going to look? Ooh, that's a that's always a tough question. Um, I'm feeling forty six hundred on the S and P. Mm hmm Led by the NASDAQ. <laughs> hmm, okay. How about you? <laughs> just, just, mm hmm Nico, mm -hmm. how about you? Well, see, the way I've been viewing things is the first, um, I want to say pretty much the month of January, I think my account was up 30% or so. So, I feel like January was up 30% and from February to now, I pretty much have been flat. So I think a lot of those gains for the year were priced in, in that month of January. And I feel like it's going to be flat for a while. And then 2024, I would expect it to, to go up more. Cause I, I I'm not expecting to have the, the market go up 60% this year or something. I think the 30% that it's already up is, is quite a bit. I like how you started it off. Like, yeah, let who cares about the market? Let's talk about just my stocks. My stocks are going. <laughs> well, but the, so the, the market should be good. The market's doing so. The market is similar. The market was was yeah, close yeah. to twenty five percent or something up. Yeah, so. you're right about that. Maybe he has all five hundred S and P five hundred securities in his account. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, for, for me too. I think it's gonna be just around the same thing too. I, I like the word flat. I think that's going to be the name of this episode, Flat. I like that. Flat? Yeah. Sideways. Yeah, like, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay, I think, Josh, we've got one more question on here. And then I kind of want to ask her one or two questions uh, after the episode is over. Okay, so let's real quick. Um, what, stocks, what stocks, stocks, oh, my God. What stocks are you most interested in buying right now? I'm going to start off first. She, I'm going to say. If she's allowed to discuss that. Oh, yeah, if she's about well, to. Okay. Well, I'm going to start off with mine. So I'm giving Nico some time to think. Um, I'm going to look at some, like, a lot of EV type of companies, like EV? Honda. Yeah. Like, okay. even, like, car companies in general. Like, what's that, 2025? It's going to be a very interesting year, how the car market is going to shape up with electrical vehicles and all of that. So I think I'm looking at Honda because I see some news. Um What's the news? They having some. Um, they're pushing to Europe more while using China-built EVs. So I'm kind of interested in that as well. But um, you know, just looking at overall the entire car market. 
because I like cars too. So I'm kind of interested in how that's going to look. Nice. I don't hate that. I think EVs are good. That That's certainly, especially with the Inflation Reduction Act, there's a lot of tax credits on there, incentives. Exactly, for... yeah. Mm -hmm. Nico, you got Nico. a stock or I got I got I got a quite a list here. Yeah. How about you just say two of them? Okay, if I was gonna pick two or do uh, do like an industry you're you're looking at or whatever. Not an industry. I would say Tyson Foods. I thought you bought and... that already. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. I oh, would say okay. like it's at a good price right now to buy. Um and then I would say 3M. Okay. Those would be two good ones, I think. Defensive. All right. Um, I'm looking at AI because of the productivity increases. Huge, huge opportunity there. Because of AI cybersecurity, that would be something that, that will absolutely be amplified. Mm -hmm. um, with you on the EVs, solar, on anything that has to do with reshoring as well. Um. Yeah, and, and I think anything with activist inclusion is very interesting to me to watch. And mm -hmm. TikTok gives you really good insights as well. One of my stock picks off of, I, I said on CNBC, was literally off of TikTok because everyone was saying, you got to go to Pinterest, you got to go to Pinterest. They did mm -hmm. this. I'm like, wow, consumers are using Pinterest. Pinterest. And that, I love Pinterest. They, it's, and it played out really well because they said, oh, we had more downloads than usual. Like TikTok told me. So... Mm -hmm. Saying that's that already a... happened, but I'm just saying that's a good way to to look at things. Mm -hmm. You can use trends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pinterest is the very other, good at. The the other one I like right now is Airbnb. I I really like Airbnb, but I pretty much have built out my position in that, so I don't think I'm going to add any more. But I think right around a hundred dollars, I think, is a good spot. All right, all right. So I know you got questions for Ask the Podcast. So let's mm -hmm. wrap this up real quick for episode 49 of Stock Talk with Josh and. Jessica. Jessica, thank you for being the co-host for today's episode. And once again, <laughs> round of applause. Clap, 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 clap for joining us. Thank you for having me. Lots of fun. All right. Well, people were out. Nico, you got anything else to add? Nope. That's it. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. And to greener days ahead. <laughs>